1: Welcome to the Wednesday Roto-Wire football podcast, the college edition, brought to you by Fan Clash. I'm John McKechnie, and as always, I'm sitting here with my buddy and resident college football guru, Mario. Mario, it's uh, Wednesday, November 9th. How are you feeling? Uh, not that good. Um,
2: I think I'm going to uh, drink for, I don't know, 60 days in a row uh, as soon as I uh, leave today. And... um maybe uh i'll wake up and everything will be
1: okay at that point spiritual journey of just spirits yeah liquor variety i might i might go with some paint thinner in there (laughs) i mean you got to mix it up man so definitely understand where you're coming from there but luckily uh college football uh hasn't uh left us or hasn't abandoned us yet i'm sure that I don't know, maybe that'll get jeopardized next year or something, but for now, we got it, and we have a pretty good uh, week of games coming up, but uh, before we get into that, want to go into uh, you know kind of wh- what went on last week. Uh, I thought Clemson... Uh, was impressive. Not, not not in getting the win over Syracuse per se, uh, but being able to shut them out completely. Uh, Syracuse, obviously, uh, we'll get into this injury a little bit more later, but they, they lost their quarterback, Eric Dungy, during the game. Took another huge shot to the head. That, that was something that concerned us last year. Uh, but Deshaun Watson also left the game, and Clemson was still able to just kind of take care of business, uh, pitch is shut out in both halves, uh, one with Watson, one without it. So I thought that was a pretty impressive win, uh, just showing from Clemson overall. Right. It's it's surprising to me that
2: Syracuse didn't just, you know, stumble into a touchdown or something just by the number of plays that they run every game. So uh, Clemson obviously played start to finish in that one just to handle it the way they did. Uh, they've been looking pretty scary for about a month now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like Watson's shoulder is okay, so yeah. they should be able
1: to pummel uh, Pittsburgh this week. Yeah, it really shouldn't be an issue. Uh, speaking of pummeling fools, um, your guy, you've been on him for a little while now, but like this week was really just sort of like the... All right, everybody needs to take notice. He is like a, a Heisman contender at this point in the season. Deontay Foreman of Texas. He might get an invite, yeah. But it's 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 obviously the Lamar and got probably like
2: Jabril Peppers too, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I love Foreman. He's he's really good. Uh, like we were talking before the show here. Uh, he's he's gone about three hundred carries now, going back to last year, averaging over seven yards a carry. Um, in the same offense that you know, Jonathan Gray was barely cracking four yards per carry, right. in. so this is a pretty gigantic sample for that sort of you know screaming efficiency. And when you watch the tape, it, it it looks just as good as the numbers. I mean, he's really fast, athletic in general for how big he is. So he he looks like a very legit NFL prospect. And yeah, it's like when you go against Texas Tech, uh, a guy like Foreman, you just you can. You can't fail. You just know, like, 200-plus. But I didn't I didn't anticipate uh, 341 and uh, three yeah, touchdowns. That's just, that's just reckless behavior at that point. And apparently one of his uh, touchdowns, he, like, lost his shoe at the beginning of the play, and so he ran with one shoe and still was apparently just too fast. So he, that's God. impressive, yeah. He's up to 1,446 yards, 13 touchdowns, even though he missed what would have been a, a fruitful matchup against UTEP in Week 2.
1: Um, so yeah, he's, he's real. Yeah. Wow. that That's exciting stuff. Yeah. He's, a, he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Texas can be a little bit, uh, tough to watch sometimes or it's felt that way during the year as they've kind of tried to figure things out, but, uh, he's a, definitely a reason to tune in every Saturday. It seems like, um, in that same vein of impressive uh, individual performances from a running back, uh, Ronald Jones, he's a guy uh, for USC that, that was sort of just sort of lost in the shuffle earlier in the season. But uh, Justin Davis still working his way back from a high ankle. And Akisadric Ware uh, still working his way back from, from a knee and an ankle. So that allowed Ronald Jones to to get his kind of third straight start. I think let's see he went for hundred seventy one yards and four touchdowns yep. against oregon last week uh so over the last three games he has doing quick math here uh four hundred seventy one yards yeah. uh so that's pretty that's pretty solid as well he's he's a guy that i thought had a lot of p- potential to to blow up this year but obviously uh that early early season just sort of weirdness with USC in general yeah. seems to have ironed itself out honestly. Uh, so he's, he's really looking like a, like a stud running back in the PAC 12 South.
2: Yeah. He was doing six and a half yards per carry last year. And then as you said, for a surprisingly long stretch to start this year, he kind of got nowhere, right. uh, Basically like six weeks, seven weeks, Uh, He was doing nothing, which was quite a surprise given how he played last year. And it seems like he just basically needed more work to get into a rhythm because once he got over, uh, I mean, 16 carries for 77 yards against Arizona isn't that exciting, but obviously 38 carries the last two games. Uh, Granted, it is against California and Oregon, but uh, still did about uh, 400 yards and five touchdowns over the last two games. So (laughs) uh, they, they should... It would be smart, I think, for them to just keep feeding him even when Davis is back rather than going back to that split situation where perhaps
1: that held Jones back a bit. I think so, too. I think that'll be interesting to see uh, how the, how Clay Helton parses that out uh, this week with such a huge matchup up at Washington.
2: That might be a pretty tough game for Washington. It'll be interesting to oh, see yeah. if they don't get like a little big-headed after the, like now they're like at the point where... We're, we're in, guys. We're in. Yeah,
1: we're gonna we're gonna get into that one. I I, I look forward to to breaking that one down later because. That 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 game is going to be crazy. Um, uh, just wanted to give a small shout out to Memphis as well. Uh, we, I think you and I both were like, "Oh, SMU, you know, maybe turning a corner." It looks like Chad Morris getting things going. They're at home, and, yeah, they're at home. And then uh, Memphis uh, comes in and just like burns it to the ground. Uh, yeah. like, just like a fifty-one to six or something, uh, fifty-one to seven. Sorry, I didn't mean to shortchange you, SMU. Uh, just a kind of a shellacking. Uh, so. Good on Memphis. Uh, we'll see how they are able to carry that momentum into this week. Um, moving on to the disappointments, I think the, the obvious one would be Texas A&M just sleepwalking into Mississippi. Definitely, yeah. I can't imagine there's
2: any explanation other than they just didn't, you know, get up for that game because Mississippi State is not going to like uh, Dan Mullen is not an adept tactician, so it's not like he's going to outsmart Kevin Sumlin. And then in the meantime, they're clearly not as talented as A and M, so that was that was quite strange. And obviously, they I, I guess the Trevor uh, Knight shoulder injury might have kind of you know instilled some despair in the team sure. that like prevented them from doing what. Might normally be a comeback scenario for them, and it's yeah, that like Mississippi State got a lead shockingly fast, and then just surprisingly like never gave it away. Yeah,
1: I think like first play from scrimmage, Nick Fitzgerald just you know just ran right through the heart of the A and M defense, and it was just kind of on from there. It's like all right, we we are actually going to play a football game here today, and A and M definitely wasn't counting on that. So right. Uh, what a weird player Fitzgerald is! Um,
2: like he's—we yeah, he's, don't
1: understand him.
2: He's just a, a wild card in, in you know, every sense. But not, not so good as a passer. He's pretty limited there. But mm-hmm. man, as a runner, like he's got three 100 plus yard games in a row two touchdowns on the ground and four straight so he's up to 839 and eight touchdowns despite that uh first couple of weeks of getting rotated in and out with damian williams which by the way that's that's a that's things that, like that that i point to 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 say how dan mullen doesn't really know what he's doing because he had this this competition that went into week one right and it's like right well fitzgerald's gonna start but damian williams is gonna go in and then they lose to south alabama Oops! and uh they're like Pull, they, they keep Williams in the game because he was playing better than Fitzgerald in that one. And, and, and Mullen was like, we're going to let the game decide who's the starter. And then after Williams does better, he's like, nah, we're going back to Fitzgerald, though. So it's like he decided ahead of time Fitzgerald was the starter and then basically just, 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 just lied to himself that he didn't – I don't know. It was dumb. It's like he knew you were going to pick Fitzgerald. Why not just let him start and keep the job? But uh, Jedi – uh, mind tricks I guess
1: yeah I mean that's pretty much what what that all uh, boils down to uh, Florida uh, you know they get this extremely high ranking in the uh, in the college football playoffs according to the committee I think they they were like you know at a, sitting at 11 or something like that they go to Arkansas uh, who's a team that you know I think you ca- like correctly characterize them as a very unstable team like you can't really predict them on a week to week basis um they can they can really give a good team a hard time or they can just get completely shredded uh This was a week where uh Florida their shortcomings uh were were too much for for them to overcome because Arkansas was able to put up points on them when florida when florida's defense isn't isn't working correctly right you know yeah. their offense isn't able to score at all. Yeah, that's definitely the case, and uh, yeah,
2: the the run defense particularly fa- failing in that one. Not that not to deny credit to Raleigh Williams, who's having a very nice year, but 148 yards and two touchdowns and 26 carries for Florida is is just yeah. When they when they allow that, you know they lose, but it's. Uh, it's it's obviously like that the offense puts the defense in a bad spot but that Arkansas run defense was so bad going into it it was like how can you not just you know run every play and get enough to cover yeah, you know plus
1: when you have Luke Del Rio as your quarterback who's pretty limited like and you have four Four, you know, pretty fresh running backs that are all, you know, reasonably talented. None of them are are world beaters by any means. But, you know, if you can kind of start to use a combination of those guys, you can definitely, you know, start to pick up chunk yardage on a team like Arkansas that, you know, had given up the the record for rushing yards. Oh, man, they're they're allowing 6.1 yards per carry even after that game. That's crazy.
2: Oh, man. So Florida... Uh, You done messed up there. That's even worse than Texas Tech last year,
1: I think, even after Fournette dismembered them. Anyway. You don't like to hear that if you're a Florida fan. Um, Let's see. And then Baylor, um, obviously starting to reel a little bit, but they had a chance to kind of get themselves off the mat uh, with a game at home against TCU. Uh, they're selling Coach Art Briles shirts outside the stadium before the game, and then they go ahead and get pounded by a TCU team that we know and we talk about every week uh, has been very Jekyll and Hyde and very, like, just kind of clunky.
2: Yeah, I don't think TCU is very good, and yet they just, you know, kick the crap out of Baylor. And it's there's issues at Baylor, obviously, like uh, suspending Shock Linwood this week for reportedly, like, shoving a coach Ugh. Um yeah, and there's that. I don't. I don't know if this affected them at all, but Brett McMurphy had this totally wrong interpretation <laughs> yeah, of a pretty is. harmless Chris Platt tweet. Yeah, like Chris Platt tweeted something like, and it it was initially a locked account, so no. I was like, we we just kind of like took Brett's word for it that it said something to the effect of like, we're wearing black jerseys because we think Art Brows is cool and shouldn't have been fired and did nothing wrong, and that's not really what he said. It was something. Like at all. It, it was something just like we play for more than the jersey or something. I don't know, just some stupid, like, s- success win sports tweet. Going, thing. going against our rivals. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, Red McMurphy like, linked to it and was like, they're wearing black jerseys because they think Art Briles shouldn't have been fired. And then, like, Chris Platt had to type yeah. out this hasty, yeah, like, note. Facebook <laughs> screenshot. It was like, Hello I don't know what you guys are doing. It's
1: like, <laughs> True, Chris, you're actually totally right. This makes no sense. Yeah, so that was that was a, a weird way for for us to kind of get into the office and start our morning with just like, oh wow, Baylor's like protesting, but they're not, we're and we're like, Brett wow, they're Perfers. trying
2: to they're trying to one up Penn State and ch- prove <laughs> that they're like.
1: The coolest school ever. God, if you know, if if like you know, there was an NFL equivalent of that, and Schefter tweet like completely misinterpreted something that a player said to that extent. I can't even imagine the sort of backlash.
2: Yeah, it's like uh, somebody tweets out like "We're going in," and then it's like this guy supports apartheid (laughs) or something. It's like, whoa, hey, Hey, that that might ruin your, that might get you off your game a little bit if you get just like 5,000 incoming tweets like telling you to go to hell or whatever. And you're like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Well, yeah, sorry, Baylor, (laughs) you're you're a mess, and it's just going to get worse probably.
1: Definitely seems uh, to be heading in that direction, uh, like many things, but uh, all right, moving on to this week. We got some, some weeknight Maction, which is always good. I do love this time of year for that purpose. Uh, we got uh, Wednesday night. We got Toledo at Northern Illinois. Toledo, seven-point favorites on the road over under 71. I guess I'm surprised at a glance at that uh, big of,
2: uh, or sorry, that small of a spread between the two because I'm still not convinced Northern Illinois is very good, but they at least have the rushing, the running game figured out. Yeah, Joel Guano got five, five touchdowns. touchdowns. I think he went into that game with one touchdown on the year. Yeah. There something, something immensely disappointing in any case. Obviously, Anthony Maddie's running ability has opened it up so that they can run after struggling to do so initially this year. But uh, Maddie's not very good as a passer. Right. Um, I don't think Northern Illinois' defense can slow down Toledo's offense. Woodside, uh, thirty-four touchdowns on two hundred ninety-six attempts. Yeah, kind he's of. He's been unbelievable. He's kind of yeah. He's kind of like uh, the the mid major Jake Browning in terms of just ridiculous touchdown frequency as a passer. So um, I think they're going to be able to throw and run both like Kareem Hunt should get going. I really like this setting for Cody Thompson to go off. I think I have him ranked like third this week at receiver um, because these these teams are both pretty close to like max tempo. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of plays logged. Uh, Could be like a season high in targets for Cody Thompson, in which case like 200 yards could be within reach, I think. So I like Toledo's chances of I, I certainly think they're going to win. And I guess I would take them to cover because I just don't see Northern Illinois as like a quick catch-up type team. And I'm pretty sure Toledo will score.
1: Right, so to me... uh, I do feel like Toledo probably gets that spread. Um, not sure where I land on the over/under though. At seventy-one, yeah, and uh, it's all this stuff doesn't matter because it is Maction, and uh, anything can go off with these guys. That's there. true. That is absolutely true. I mean, there is there is a time there when when I wasn't watching election coverage last last night when Western Michigan was kind of getting it taken to him a little bit, and I nice. was I was starting to get worried. Yeah, Kent Kent State's pretty tough defense-wise, but
2: yeah, it was like eventually their complete inability. To move the ball. It, Western Michigan ended up winning pretty you know comfortably yeah. and they attempted like twelve passes all game. Okay. Yeah, so it's like that's uh that's that's not a close call for them. There were uh, yeah, but that's that's kind of funny. That fleck was like they're they're close to start the game, and he's like, nope, we don't need to try. Yeah, we we don't need second. to throw the ball. We're gonna we're gonna get ahead just uh, doing this wishbone because these jokers can't stop us. Impose the will,
1: man. Row the yeah. boat. Um so next game we got tonight, uh we got Akron. At Bowling Green, Akron favored by ten and a half uh, against a Bowling Green team that uh, has shown to be pretty terrible at times this year. So, uh, how do you see yeah. this one shaking out? So, Akron is just uh, a total
2: Jekyll and Hyde team. They somehow got pummeled by Buffalo uh, oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago, but then they they came back last week and were a little better. Tommy Woodson certainly was a little better. I'm actually firing him up in the uh, fan tracks. Uh, Joe's versus Pros League um th- thank you to John Lob for starting that up um yeah I, I was a little desperate at quarterback cuz uh my my guy Darnold's going against um Washington which which moved me away but yeah this is a these are both pretty high tempo teams two really bad defenses maction it's going to be a circus I think mm-hmm. uh high scoring circus so yeah I like Woodson and uh, even though it's like a it's a total coin flip with him because it's, like, who knows if he's, like, healthy or whatever. The Akron's, right, that Akron's really good upper at, body. at covering that stuff up. Um, but, yeah, I really like both Akron receivers, JoJo Natson and Jerome Lane. I think they're going to have a big game because Bowling Green's defense is a joke. Yep. Uh, I guess we got to think Scott Miller's gonna do pretty well for bowling green maybe maybe uh uh, ronnie ronnie Moore is that the name, right yes yeah he's been a disappointment this year but uh he's he's a good player when he's healthy and in a functional environment so maybe both
1: those guys get going yeah should be should be a nice uh night of high scoring games uh out in the mac for for your wednesday evening um let's see we got thursday just quick one here uh Louisiana Lafayette at Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, eight-point favorites. Disgusting. Uh, re- yeah, don't watch it if you don't have to. Uh, Over-under of just 46-and-a-half. I think both these teams can play a little bit of defense slash shoot themselves in the foot really well on offense. Yeah, so. Georgia Southern's probably got the way better defense between
2: the two, and Elijah McGuire's foot is screwed up. so yeah, that's a problem. Uh, Lafayette, I think, gets buried. This I noticed the spread went from 10 to 8, I think they can cover 10, Georgia Southern.
1: Yeah, all right, so we're on the same page there. I uh, should be able to get that done. Uh, this one this one, I think is interesting. Uh, we got North Carolina, 10.5-point favorites on the road at Duke. Uh, it's a short week for both teams, obviously. Uh, North Carolina just played – I mean, they, they handled Georgia Tech, but like teams that play against triple-option type of offenses can be a little bit sluggish the following week, especially on a short week. So I feel like Duke at home – I think they can cover this spread. I really do feel that way.
2: And North Carolina's defense is not good. Right. So that's uh, – Daniel Jones, the quarterback, the freshman quarterback at Duke has been turnover prone, but he's been able to move the ball a pretty decent amount. So if you think that this is you know going to be one of the good days for Duke, um, even if you think North Carolina wins easy in you know most senses, I, I, I agree. Ten and a half is a bit much um, – if only because, yeah, the Tar Heels defense, especially against the run, has not been good this year. Right. So, I, th- I think, uh, are we in agreement that Duke probably covers this then? I think so. I would I would be curious about taking the over, though, if th- for some reason. I like, could I, see see I just that. feel like there's two bad defenses. They both run at a pretty good pace. Um, Elijah Hood is obviously humming again yeah, for North Carolina. Bug Howard's a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think both of
1: these teams should be able to score. Yeah, I I could definitely see that. I could definitely see the over here. Uh, This next game, we rarely see a Pac-12 matchup that's below 60 to this extent, especially one involving Arizona State, but they've got so many problems. we got Utah going to Arizona State, Utah five-and-a-half-point favorites, I think that that's kind of low. I'm for a missing Utah something team. here. Yeah, that's that. I would I would have guessed it was like eight and a half or something because I don't
2: see Arizona State doing well at all. No, I think
1: one. I think that they are coming off a bye, and I think Manny Wilkins might be able to get back, which gives them pseudo competent quarterback yeah, I play. Guess but so. but that's not. I mean, pseudo competent quarterback play against Utah's defense like that. You know, I think that washes out. I think Utah is able to to kind of neutralize them, and you know, Wilkins. Probably will have only had four or five days of practice heading into this game in like the last three weeks or something. So there there could be a rust factor there. Um, yeah, and he's he's at his best
2: when the game flow is controlled. And with how bad their pass defense is, I don't think that that can be assumed. Like they they're mm-hmm. probably I would guess fall behind. Uh, Tim Patrick, if you're looking for a season-long wide receiver play, great matchup for him. Yes, he's he was really effective earlier this year before he sat out forever with an injury, but he, he's back into the fold. Uh, perfect matchup for him. I guess the only thing that maybe allows Arizona State to cover is like their run defense is vaguely competent, but I yeah. think Joe Williams has shown he's going to run on these guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah they, I mean he could run on Washington. I'm yeah. not I'm not worried about Arizona State exactly. So I think I think Utah gets the cover there pretty easily um, Friday, uh, sort of one of my least favorite ACC matchups. Uh, I don't know if they play each other every year or not, but, uh, I remember last year, this game almost put me to sleep, uh, Florida state, Boston college, Florida state, 21 point favorites, um over under forty eight and a half. like I just I don't really want to see this game yeah yeah
2: um I I think Florida State covers because Boston College's their defense isn't
1: even good this year exactly that was the one thing they had yeah so Patrick Tolles oh boy that's a problem um well before we get into Saturday's games here uh we got a message here from our friends over at Fan Clash Trivia if you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it we have a website for you Put that knowledge to the test on Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Rotowire has teamed up with FanClash.com to bring you NFL Week 9 and 10 trivia with cash on the line. Rotowire will be running free contests on FanClash against Rotowire experts on November 9th, that's tonight, and November 15th. Again, it's a free contest for all Rotowire users with cash prizes on the line. Reserve your spot now and you will compete with Rotowire's own Kevin Payne on November 9th to see who really knows the most about NFL trivia from all of week 9's action. Cash prizes go to the top hundred scores, and the top five also win free six months of Rotowire subscriptions. Go to fanclashcom rotowire to sign up now. Now, this week, uh unlike last week we we really didn't have a whole lot of games of intrigue outside of the power Five games uh, but or, but there's always some good AAC action going on, but best conference but we have a little bit of sunbelt love to to pass upon to our listeners uh, here in a minute, but starting us off, uh, as always, we love talking about East Carolina just because Zay Jones is the dude. Um, he d- he didn't hit the seventeen and a half catch mark that I that I tried to set on on the radio on Saturday, uh, but he did. Did he have his best yardage output? He set a career high with two hundred and six yards.
2: Yeah, so uh, not bad. Which he he he, uh, he had one hundred and eighty five the week before that. So uh, it's he, he's he's really good. Like I refuse to believe a guy can produce like that and not be an NFL prospect. Like he's he's at the very least like. Cons- like considerably better than
1: Justin Hardy, right? From, yeah, who you know sees some great college time. player. Yeah, yeah totally.
2: um, but yeah, this is this is a matchup that should be pretty entertaining. Again, two very high tempo teams. Uh, maybe East Carolina. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what if Philip Nelson can play. He had some kind of injury, but um, Gardner Minshew, the backup, seems like they might just start him anyway because he's younger, obviously. He's and got a cool name. He's already com- comparable to Nelson, so it's like let the young guy get better then. So they might go with him and uh, seven and a half. It's it's hard to trust him with that many points. It's hard to trust. Yeah, uh, I think I'll take them to cover that. And this over under seems low to me. Also, Um, so yeah, like James Summers is giving East Carolina a better running game of late than they had earlier this year. Uh, Zay is obviously automatic. They got a second, third decent receivers. The I can't remember the one guy's name, Quan something. Then Jimmy Williams is doing a nice job. Uh, but, yeah, with the SMU side, it's like a coin flip as to whether you get just disaster Ben Hicks or, you know, decent Ben Hicks. Right. Uh, the running game. Uh, was down to
1: their third running back, but he, he looked fine. Yeah, he
2: did well. Um, so, yeah, Come on, they, Freeman. they had Braden West, but, yeah, they went to Foreman or Freeman or whatever. Freeman,
1: uh, 16 carries for 83 yards. He's a freshman.
2: Yeah, uh, East Carolina's week. run defense has been a disaster, but I think, uh, I don't know, at the very least, it's like. Memphis, you know, obviously exposed SMU a bit, and Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm not convinced Memphis would beat East Carolina more than like you know five times out of ten. Okay, yeah, I'll go with East Carolina to cover just because it. This is this should be another explosive game
1: for Zay. I like that, Um, and I do like the over here. That does seem like a low one for for defenses that that have uh, some definite flaws to them. Uh, Let's see. Moving on, we got another one from this conference. We got Tulsa. Getting just point-and-a-half favorites on the road at Navy. I'm Uh, surprised they're favored, I guess. I kind of am, too, honestly.
2: I don't think that this is the greatest matchup for Tulsa because they can be beaten on the ground, and uh, Will Worth is going nuts lately. Yes, he is. Um, I'm just going to guess that he has, like, 12 touchdowns in his last uh yeah, know, coming off a, coming off a
1: road or a neutral site win against notre dame i mean that's really impressive stuff from him
2: yeah so he he's ranked uh this week for me uh f- let's see I get, all the way down at seven i thought i had a higher but uh yeah, he's yeah, up to 15 still,
1: rushing touchdowns
2: yeah still uh w- will worth number seven quarterback for me this week uh pending you know this lamar jackson hand thing or whatever mm-hmm. uh but yeah he's he should have a huge game and in the meantime. Uh, James Flanders appears to have overtaken uh, D'Angelo Brewer uh, at running back, but the, the Tulsa's so high tempo, they both will get work. Yep. Uh, Keevan Lucas and Josh Atkinson are obviously in play, and season long, you're probably starting Lucas, and, and Atkinson, I think, is about as good of a start. So, uh, yeah, it's Willworth versus those guys, but I just, I guess, feel like. Navy is just so remarkably well coached yep. and they obviously are humming on the ground game so I just I can't see Tulsa stopping that and in the meantime I can imagine Dane Evans like floating one and getting a, a picked once or twice.
1: Yeah and I think you know they they're, they're going to need to really protect him. I think uh, Navy could fluster him with the pass rush a little bit too so you know we'll we'll have to see what happens there. I think that Navy uh, should be able to get the win here at home. Uh, personally so yeah, obviously I agree. uh don't like tulsa to cover the point and a half there um let's see that there, there are no lines here on the on this conference usa matchup and i'm not totally sure why it's southern miss versus old dominion I mean, huh yeah i don't I, know I don't why don't think that there's is any key injuries for, for either quarterback to my knowledge so uh not re- if you know all things being equal uh you mentioned last week that Ray Lowry is kind of back to form, yeah. uh, which is a big help for, for Old Dominion. He's really good. Yes, um, but Southern Miss is is relatively competent on defense as far as uh, a conference USA team is concerned, and, and they certainly can can uh, throw the ball. Uh, a guy like Nick Mullins is a very good uh, quarterback for them. So uh, I I would oh, imagine there it is. he's questionable. Okay, With, uh, that's it might the be issue. a concussion. Ooh. All right, so that d- that does change things. If he doesn't play, then then Southern misses offense. Well, they're just gonna have to pound the ball uh, on the ground. Edo Smith should yeah. have a big game. Old Dominion's defense apparently is kind of adequate by
2: by their conference's standards, but Edo Smith has a really high floor because he's extremely active as a pass catcher. Yep, uh, explosive both as a runner and receiver. Just just a good player
1: overall. Yeah, so uh, you'll have to keep an eye on that for the, for the Mullins injury update, but uh if if he's in then then definitely like southern miss uh if he's out uh still probably like them but it's i love flowery in this game
2: too like he yes. went over 200 last week i'm not expecting that exactly but i'm i'm thinking like 160 and two or three touchdowns
1: yeah i could definitely see that as well um here's a here's the Sun Belt one uh we got app state at troy also no line for this one yet that i've seen um i'm not sure what the key injury here is but these are two of the better teams. Uh, In the Sun Belt, you know we we've talked about App State plenty this year, and Troy actually has been uh, a a team that that not only has a very good run defense, uh, but they they have like uh, Jordan Chun, who's who's been uh, an excellent uh, addition for season long uh, this year. I I noticed that he recently got picked up in our uh, twenty team league. I don't know how how he was still floating around there, but the guy I'm playing in the playoffs, I think snagged him so. A little bit worried about that, although App State should be able to prevent him from having the kind of monster games that we've seen from him thus far. But, I mean, it's at Troy. Do you think that App State's on upset alert here a little bit? So the reason it came across as no line
2: is it's actually a pick 'em. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I... I think I got to go with Troy. Uh, I mean, Appalachian State has one strength on offense, and it's quite a strength. Marcus Cox and Jalen Moore are both very good running backs. Yes. Uh, Taylor Lamb's having a down year at quarterback, though, and I think Troy quarterback Brandon Silvers might be the best quarterback in this game. He certainly has better receivers. I want to say Emmanuel Thompson and DeAndre Douglas are pretty decent. Um they, I don't think you want them in fantasy, but they 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 could prove the difference uh, matchup-wise for on the, the scoreboard here. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh Chun and and also uh Cox and more that they're both going to be running against a brick wall because both defenses are good. App State's is probably better, but Troy's is definitely good. Yes. So uh, if they sell out on the run, Troy, that is, and, and Lamb doesn't make them pay for it, I think they can uh, contain Cox and Moore. But yeah, if, if Moore and Cox uh, you know, pile up enough carries, they'll eventually break uh, most defenses, let right. alone uh, any given Sun Belt one.
1: So in the end, who's your pick then?
2: I'll go with Troy being at home, and I, I just kind of I I like the quarterback play from them better, and I think having having a, a, the threat of passing could could prove the
1: difference, especially when you give the home field a variable to them. Exactly, yeah. So uh, you know, this one it might seem like App State's the obvious choice, but Vegas doesn't think so, and obviously we don't either. I think we're both on Troy in this one. Uh, next we got Middle Tennessee State. Th- this is kind of a it seems like way too big of a line for, for for Middle Tennessee, and I'll get to that in a second. There, they're favored by nine and a half, going on the road to Marshall, and you know, make no mistake, Marshall's been way underperforming. What happened to yeah, them? Like uh, some sort they've of they've completely melted down. Some I mean. sort of curse or something. But Middle Tennessee, uh, one of the one of the things they could really hang their hat on was the quarterback play of Brett Stocksill that was you know unlike pretty much anything else in that conference except for you know like your your Louisiana Tech and so on in Western Kentucky but you know he's right up there uh he's out for the season i believe yeah uh and, broken collarbone and they got they got beat up pretty good last week by U, uh, Ut San Antonio. They lost by twenty points in that game. The uh, backup Urzua, John Urzua, I fourteen think. for twenty-seven, <laughs> three picks.
2: Yeah, he's. Uh, it turns out that's not a system that made the quarterback there. Uh, Stockstill is actually quite good. Yep. Uh, Richie James is obviously compromised if the quarterback is bad like that. So that's uh, not their biggest strength. Arguably, Otavious Mathers can can carry that that's offense. I think so. That's why that spread is that way. It's like clearly. Uh, the line is like Marshall is a mess. They don't. They're, they're disorganized and not playing hard. Too probably like their quarterback Chase Litton got benched for this. Morrell guy and neither of them look very good right now. They have no reliable running game at Marshall. Yeah, Marshall's given up twenty one touchdowns on the ground. Their so defense the is Mathers crap. pick is gonna be
1: good. Yeah, Mathers
2: is so good. He's been amazing this year. I I mean he was he was a sleeper that we had singled out and we I think we had something projected like, you know, twelve hundred yards from scrimmage or something, but he probably did that back in like week six or something. Right. He's he's been so good as a runner and receiver both. So he's he's one of the top running back plays, even despite the the quarterback issues they might have.
1: Uh, I, st- I'm still worried that the that the quarterback play might hamstring them to the point where they where they're not covering a spread this big though. Yeah, and I don't
2: understand. How, like Marshall had that big. Uh, they they had a lot of um. Like the the people handicapping them had a lot of faith in them earlier this year. They were right. favored like what was it like 17 and a half over Akron and then they got they got just debacle raised yeah um but yeah there there's that's a that's a team that's a team that had been so stable for such a long time like they seem to have uh, doc holiday I want to say the coach mm-hmm. uh, seem to have just one of the most reliable machines in the country and it's like Everything, <clears throat> excuse me, has fallen apart, and I I don't know what the explanation is, but clearly uh, the, the the betting market is like, no, we have no faith in them anymore. We we'll take backup quarterback Middle Tennessee to put ten on them. I agree, that's a lot of points. So if if only because um, Middle Tennessee's defense will probably. I don't know. It, it's it's better than Marshall's, but yeah. having to deal with uh, probably some short fields if Urzua plays as badly as he did last week, uh,
1: ten points is a lot to ask. I think. Yeah, they've they've given up. Uh, or Middleton so he's given up twenty four touchdowns on the ground. I, I pretty much every rushing defense in this conference has proven to be yeah, pretty terrible. F- four
2: point three yards per carry for a, a Sunbelt team is is actually kind
1: of like you're in the top third, <laughs> right? So uh, that's that's where we are with that one, but. I uh, think I think you know. At the end of the day, I like Marshall. You, should. I'll take I'll take Marshall to cover. All right, and then moving on to our last kind of uh, smaller game or game on the undercard here, we got South Florida three point favorites at Memphis. Given obviously, South Florida. Obviously, we were just talking about you know giving giving uh, Memphis some props, but yeah, South Florida. Uh, we've said it before. Say it again. They're kind of a cut above uh they i mean they they're right up there with, with um like you've said they're they they're probably better than a lot of acc teams that we're seeing this year yeah they're like i would take them to probably beat a team like north carolina so I,
2: i'm not worried right. about memphis at all Quentin flowers is is playing at such a high level they got two great running backs marlon mack dernis johnson rodney adams is a threat at receiver yep uh I just there are very few defenses that can stop that rushing attack in Memphis's run, rushing defense. Uh, at least, bef- yeah, even last week they they gave up some yardage to that uh, Freeman, like you were saying. So yeah, I'm, uh, Flowers Mac, I don't think they can slow him down at all. And in the meantime, the South Florida pass defense, I think, is just good enough okay. to uh, to get Ferguson Riley Ferguson to throw an interception or two. So I'll I'll take Willie Taggart here
1: for sure. All right, I like that pick as well. That one definitely those those two, the Middle Tennessee and the South Florida, the lines there especially are what stood out to me. So I think South Florida definitely uh, wins rather comfortably, even if it is on the road this week. Um, moving on to some of uh, the the sort of standard games for for your Saturday afternoon viewing pleasure, uh, we got Miss State going to Bama. The only reason we're really talking about this one is Bama, obviously coming off like a slugfest, uh, favored by twenty eight and a half. Obviously, you, you're you can't sleep on Miss State or else they'll they'll burn you. And obviously, Bama, if there's been one sort of Achilles heel that people always talk about, it's it's against mobile quarterbacks a little bit. So you gotta you gotta be at least uh, on your toes for this one. <coughs> but I still just don't see where Bama, give me Bama doesn't smash them. Yeah, give me Bama by like thirty five. Yep, let's do it. Um, I kind of feel that way uh, about Michigan too. We'll get down to that a little bit later on. Um. We got Penn State at Indiana. Penn State, six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Um, that doesn't seem like very much for a team that's ranked number 10 in the country, according to the playoff yeah, I committee. I don't trust them. Uh, on, on the road against an unranked team. Uh, I don't trust Penn State, but, yeah, I think I think Saquon
2: alone gives them really good chance of covering that. So I'll take them to cover, but, yeah, it's like – like you said, a team ranked what they are and going against a team of Indiana's, you know, numbers, you would think that spread would be more like thirteen and a half. Yeah, which I could see them covering that too. But six and a half, I, I think it's like, yeah, they're it, it, people are on to the fact that they're kind of uh, they're not as good as their ranking basically says. But Saquon is is playing at a really high level. Uh, mcsorley's not the best passer but he's running that offense pretty well and if he is throwing vaguely on target chris godwin is a really good player still i think disappointing as this year might have been so i'll take penn state to cover especially because like their their defense is more vulnerable against the run than the pass so uh, i don't think divine divine writing has done better than i would have thought this year um but i don't think he's good enough to to really make penn state pay And, and Lago, as we've seen is a bit of a Turnover machine, so you can't turn it over to Saquon.
1: Well, if the, if Indiana run, if Indiana really ran the crap out of the ball against Maryland the other week, and yeah. what really worked for them was uh, this guy Tyler Natty or something. Oh, right, him. He's like a he's two seventy pounder. Yeah, he's built roughly you know like a tractor trailer or something. It's it's yes. unbelievable for a freshman. We needed this, so that's pretty cool. Um, so that's something that Penn State's definitely need to, to load up against because you want uh Lego to be throwing the ball because he he can uh definitely be turnover prone and he's had uh just a lot of irrelevant fantasy games in, in really good uh matchup situations. So uh if Penn State can just slow down that rushing attack and Indiana also incorporated Xander Diamant into the running a little bit in that game. He's a quarterback but they pretty much, you know, just wildcat uh, style him and he was really effective against Maryland. I think they had three guys run for a hundred yards or more in that game. It was just a feel like that's strange one. game. I mean, obviously against Maryland, it's not the same as going against Penn State,
2: right? And I think it's a gimmick that only works when you're not expecting it because Diamond, as a Wildcat quarterback, it doesn't matter. It's like he can't play quarterback. It's just a guy getting a direct snap and running and, and handing it off sometimes. Yeah, and instead. he's not as fast as other so, yeah, it's backs. Like you, you defend that like you would an option play or something. It's not like you need to worry about the pass because he's. He, he, well, what was he he was like a 35 completion percentage like two years in a something row. heinous yeah Yeah, he's, he can't
1: throw the ball at all nope um one last thing I wanted to say about Penn State I, I I doubt them pretty consistently on this show uh I still don't think that they're the 10th best team in the country either but they are better than than I gave them credit for earlier I will say that much I thought that they might slip up at Purdue and they won by like 40 something points in that game uh you know, the, Saquon alone uh, is a guy that can go for well over 200 yards from scrimmage in a given game. So I think uh, this is a situation where Penn State probably wins by, like, 10. Is yeah, I is agree. I'd like,
2: it. Lago turn it over to Saquon is just – you can't do that at all.
1: Nope. Yeah, so that, that would be over in a hurry. Uh, we're going to stick in the Big Ten here. Uh, the homecoming game up here in Madison. Uh, we got Wisconsin 26-and-a-half point favorites against Illinois, uh, and the over-under is just at 39. Yeah, so this, this is going to go really badly for Illinois. Like a, like a just like So are we, I, I can't, not that I care, but
2: like uh, if Lunt is playing, maybe you think Wisconsin won't cover that. But uh, if it's Jeff George Jr. Then, oh my for, God. It, it's, so I, cover
1: it midway through the second quarter. Yeah, I
2: hope I never actually see footage or like a picture of him because I'm currently just imagining him looking exactly the same as his father. Have like, you seen
1: Testaverde's kid?
2: Uh, yeah, Spitting I, image. yeah, I, I, I would, I just hope that, his, that Jeff George's son is like, you know, he got the, the, the receding hair and, and just like looks At age 18, just looks like Jeff George, just, but like he's actually Jeff George pretending he's his son or something <laughs> like uh, back to school. That would be funny to me, but, um, yeah, I haven't seen a. and I don't think ever seen a, a running back, uh, average 4.2 yards per carry, like Corey Clement, but look so much better than that average on I know. tape. Um, he's had some really tough matchups this year, like LSU, um, Michi- Michigan, obviously on the road. Ohio State, even Iowa on the road is a is a lot to ask. Uh, Northwestern, Northwestern last yeah. Week. So uh, I think he gets. I, get, I think he pushes for four and a half yards per carry after this game, uh, which is to say, I think he's going to have easily Six, the best seven, game of the year yeah. so far. Uh, something like one eighty and three touchdowns for Corey Clements against the
1: helpless Illinois yeah and and you know uh if they de- if they decide to give clement a breather Roderick Shaw, he can also uh, totally gash Dari can run on these yep, guys. Dari absolutely can. He can also catch it out of the backfield. I mean, heck, I mean, you, you give it to Jazz Peavy on an end around, he can be gone too. So Wisconsin's just going to be able to just pulverize Illinois here. This is going to be your quintessential homecoming game, basically. It's going to be just... a knockout after, like, five seconds, basically. Yep. So uh, not too concerned about this one if you're a Wisconsin fan. Um Let's see. Moving on, we got Auburn 10-point favorites at Georgia. Uh, Oldest rivalry of the Deep South. I just said that because I'm a Georgia fan that's just disillusioned by everything right now. I wanted to get some sort of excitement into it, but uh, 48 is the over-under here. Uh, Really the only kind of Potential hope for Georgia is that Cameron Petway doesn't play. Uh, we're still waiting to see if he practices Wednesday. He didn't practice Tuesday uh, after pulling something in his leg on a 60-yard run against Vanderbilt last week. But, I mean, you asked me when I got into the office yesterday, do you think 10 points is too low? Maybe. Like, you, you expect uh, Auburn to win by more than 10? It, I mean, it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I mean, Georgia took a – Uh, Is Georgia's defense just not good? It's the run defense is fine usually. I mean, I think you know last week Kentucky has a pretty good run game. Obviously, nowhere near as good as Auburn. So I don't don't know. I mean, Stanley Williams is awesome, and I guess
2: this this Snell guy is quite good too. Yes, he is. Um, But yeah, I mean, if Petway is hurt, if limited or out, uh, Johnson is carry on. Johnson is obviously quite good. But I I feel like Georgia. I feel like Auburn's pass uh, passing game is is. Harmless enough that they can sell out on the run and minimize it and at least cover ten. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Georgia will have a great shot at winning this because Auburn's
1: defense is clearly a cut above theirs. Yeah, it, it really is. So I think, uh, especially along the front, um, Jacob Eason is just not going to have time to throw it if, in in passing down situations. Auburn's going to be able to just kind of uh, pin their ears back and really just get after the quarterback and uh, Georgia's offensive line of of just. Turnstiles and red jerseys uh, will certainly allow that to happen. So I think that's going to be an issue. i Think Auburn does win this game. Uh, I guess you, you know, you bring up some good points about about what could happen if Auburn is, is a little is a little bit is a little bit low. Uh, but I still I still see a situation where the, this Georgia season just seems to be You're so broken. lost. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah I'm losing it, man. Uh, but I, I think that Auburn covers this honestly, even though right. it's on the road. Um, bottom line there and then uh we got big 12 game that'll be pr- pretty fun to watch we got texas tech at oklahoma state oklahoma state uh 12 and a half point favorites over under of 90 hmm
2: yeah 12 and a half seems like a lot to me because i don't think the oklahoma state defense is very good so with that big of a spread you would you're kind of implying turnovers or some three and outs which i just don't really see for texas tech although i'd I, i've said before like i think cliff kingsbury is overrated as a coach mm-hmm. but mahomes is real and that system uh is is perfectly suited to his skills obviously uh jonathan giles is pretty has pretty much been unstoppable this year and they got uh what is his name like DeLeon ward was kind of they're they're running back now oh yeah out of nowhere they give him 220 carry games in a, in a row and he hasn't really he's only doing like 4.2 yards per carry so I'm still mad about Justin Stockton. I swear if I was running that team, I would have gotten a big year out of him. But uh, instead, he got, like, 12 touches to prove his worth, and now they've, like, uh, exiled him. (laughs) And uh, anyway, I I think I'll take Tech to cover. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Justice Hill should have a big game, I think, for Oklahoma State. I noticed some people moving off of him um after last week's disappointing box score but I, I think everybody runs wild on tech so it's true yeah justice hill and obviously james washington in this kind of setting is, is a Jalen mccleskey too uh those guys are both threats to to go you know up. james washington for 200 yards would not be
1: surprising here yeah abs- yeah james washington is definitely going to get his he's a very exciting receiver um i think that oklahoma state should be able to uh get the win here but uh, it's gonna be really high scoring. Not surprisingly, um yeah, but i no, I do think that the tech is able to keep it uh under that under that twelve and a half 13 umbrella. is a lot yeah it's it's a like lot they, to could beat get, texas they could get they could get whooped and still only lose by like eight mm-hmm. uh, basically what happened last week in in a sense against Texas, so I think we both are on the Red Raiders to cover there, and then uh the injured quarterback bowl here uh, <laughs> uh we got Ole Miss going to texas a and m uh texas a and m obviously kind of licking their wounds. Uh, now that they have they've been dealt that second loss within the division that, that pretty much stomps out any any sort of big uh, you know, hopes at the postseason that they might yeah. have had. And then on the other side, Ole Miss, I mean, they they've they've had their hopes dashed early and often this year, and I think it kind of culminated with Chad Kelly tearing his ACL against Georgia Southern um do you know anything about this jason pellerin well the 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 only real reason i I brought this game up otherwise is is to talk about the guy that's not jason pellerin it's uh Uh, hubenak uh shea Shea patterson oh uh, shea patterson from from Ole miss uh they haven't decided yet if they're gonna burn the red shirt or not on him they're gonna they're gonna uh decide i think by thursday or friday uh 24-7 Twenty-four-seven Sports had him ranked ahead of Jacob Eason in their in, in among their okay. quarterback packing order. He was a top five overall recruit, uh, kind of a dual threat guy uh, with a, with an incredibly strong arm. He was really impressive in the uh, I think it was like the Army game uh, for for the high school. Uh, if they if they do burn the redshirt on him, I mean he's probably only going to be there for two years after this year anyway. Just you know based on the what is expected of him, so I don't see why not uh, just letting him get. Uh, getting his hair must a little bit and you know coming into next year with a little bit of game experience so I could see it it, it, I'd be really excited to see uh, Shea Patterson play if they do end up uh, just kind of taking off the red shirt
2: yeah that makes sense especially like I mean with Kelly not there and they know they're going to Patterson next year maybe get him, you know a head start kind of like Oklahoma State ended up doing with Mason Rudolph Mm -hmm. um, his freshman year but I, I don't really know what I expect for this game, especially because we don't know who's playing quarterback for Mississippi, but um, I generally think that Hubenak on the other side for A&M should be pretty decent in this yeah, he's, he's he's been there for a couple of years at least, and he's not looked terrible um, when on the field. The receivers are great anyway, so yes. they'll, they'll help him overachieve in that regard. And if they just give Travian Williams the ball – um, he he should run on Ole Miss and pretty much anybody else. So I guess I'll go with A and M, uh, if only because I'm, I'm I like their chances better. Of like I don't know, not playing good defense, but they're less like, banged up across the board. I'd say that yeah, Ole Miss just is. getting a couple turnovers. I think on defense, which is all that they'll need to to pull away.
1: Yeah, especially if you know. I think either way they're going to be facing a very inexperienced quarterback. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. So but yeah. So that I think that goes to your point about uh, getting some turnovers for the Aggies here. Um, yeah, I think AM should be able to take this one. Ole Miss hasn't been very good away from uh, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium this year. Um, going on to some of the bigger games of the weekend, uh, we got Texas versus West Virginia. Uh, the over-under uh, is at 64, I believe. Uh, that seems interesting to me. Uh, like low? Yeah, it, seems, it does seem a little bit low because, I mean, West Virginia uh, – I've loved their defense before, but uh, they've shown a, a penchant to maybe to maybe let it slip a little bit against really good offenses. And uh, do you know either. what the spread is on that? My internet went out, so I can't. Oh, you're good. It is. Uh, it looks like Texas at home a two point favorite over West what? Virginia. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Huh. Um, well, I'll take West
2: Virginia. I would have. I, I thought it was going to be like seven and a half or something for West Virginia. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that, I, 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 I mean, I like Texas, but their their defense is is just atrocious compared to West Virginia's, and I don't think you could convince me that Texas's offense is better than West Virginia's. So fair. Uh, I, I at this point think Dana Holgerson is definitely a better coach than Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll take I'll take West Virginia to win, and obviously cover. Uh, but yeah, Deontay Foreman is playing in this game, so uh, I just put 200 yards on the
1: board yeah, right there just go ahead and use him um yeah i don't i don't have a ton to add on this one i, I i'd be surprised if west virginia uh loses this one even like if it whole,
2: is on the road yeah i pretty much like the whole west virginia offense like skylar howard's going to be one of the top ranked quarterbacks for me this week i like both to kill shorts and shelton gibson at receiver mm-hmm. uh if russell particularly if russell shell is out um, with his ankle or whatever, uh, like, like, yeah, like Justin Crawford. And if, 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 uh, yeah, I think Kennedy McCoy should get some carries in that event too. And he's averaging like nine yards a carry. He looks really good. Wow. But, uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, I think there should be uh, quite a quite,
1: I think, West Virginia goes over thirty five in this. Yeah, he, okay, Kennedy McCoy last week. If you know, if you are looking at your season long, and Shell is out, uh, eighteen carries for one hundred twenty seven yards against Kansas last week. Obviously, you hope that Texas defense is slightly better than Kansas, but McCoy still, obviously, like you said, showing uh, some explosiveness on a per carry basis here. Uh, so there is a lot of intrigue for season long in this game. Uh, and then here, the biggest game of the week. That's where college game day is going to be um I'm really excited about this one uh we got USC uh on a hot streak on an absolute heater going against Washington who obviously has been on a heater all season Washington eight and a half point favorites over under 62 in this game uh man I mean where do you start well uh so that I that at a glance that spread
2: seems like a lot to me I don't think I would take Washington to cover eight and a half I I would take them at Six and a half, but not eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think Washington wins, but it's a dangerous game for them because USC. I mean, uh, since they put in Darnold, they've been a different team, and uh, obviously Ronald Jones has gotten hot. Uh, it's the pass defense is where uh, Washington's better than their rush defense. Like they're they're allowing three point eight yards per carry, but that's something that's probably like f- four point two or something when you mm-hmm. uh, readjust for the sack yardage, mm-hmm. which they they get a lot of those. So uh, I don't think that the Washington offense will have that much trouble with the USC defense, but I th- I think they get they get held beneath I don't know thirty, they're um, okay. thirty four anyway yeah and um, in the meantime I think Darnold is really good so like I I don't I, I think he can get them a, at least a couple touchdowns in this. Uh, but yeah, I, I I will take Washington to win. But I, I think I think Browning might have one of his worst games of the year here, and and they'll need to ride Gaskin a bit more than they have generally.
1: Yeah, they really haven't had to had to use Gaskin a whole lot this year well, as Don opposed Coleman, to last too. year.
2: Man, right? he's doing really. I didn't notice this. Nine point one yards per carry. He's got six hundred yards on sixty six carries.
1: Sheesh. Yeah. Um, but yeah i think that usc really should have washington on upset alert period yeah uh, i think they could they could win this game uh, i think one issue that darnold is, has kind of had on a weekly basis is really the only negative thing i can say about his game so far is he's a little bit careless with the ball as far as the the fumbles are concerned oh okay um he's he's had a lot i mean he's He's recovered a bunch of them, too, which is good, but it's definitely no guarantee going against a a defense of Washington's caliber. Uh, Washington just lost uh, their best pass rusher slash edge defender for the year. I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh, I don't know either. Uh, But, but, uh, yeah, he just got injured. So, I mean, that's one less guy that USC has to worry about, although, I mean, Washington is stacked at at all their 10 positions on on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I still think that – uh, Washington is going to play well on defense I think like it was sorry Joe Mathis it was the that's linebacker. Right. Um but since Darnold took over uh, let's see here uh, they've scored 41 or more points in four out of the last five games including uh, three straight obviously against Arizona Cal and Oregon that's not an impossible task by any means but I think it just goes to show you that that uh Darnold has this offense clicking uh big time and I think it, it looks like Dave Justin Davis is going to be back whether that messes up the, the the ebb and flow of that running game uh we'll have to see maybe he presents a better matchup against Washington who knows kind of doubt it yeah, yeah I kind of doubt uh, it if they
2: if they go if they go giving him carries when there's like obviously a rust risk when you're coming back from a high ankle sprain I think that would really play into Washington's hands so that I think they'd be smart to feed Jones and just kind of keep Davis
1: for when Jones needs a breather. Gotcha. And then, uh, on, on the USC defensive side of the ball, USC actually has a very talented secondary, uh, high, Headlined, obviously, by Dory Jackson. Um, Iman Marshall is another starting cornerback for them, former five-star guy, very talented. Um, he didn't practice on Tuesday, though. So you, you, I think USC's secondary, I think this could be where the game really comes down to it because we saw what Washington's receivers can do uh, last week. I mean, we see it every week, but uh, they can like really, really embarrass you if you're not at, at 100%. So. Just so
2: fast. I don't know yeah. if I've ever – I don't remember ever seeing a, a two – a receiver tandem as fast as Pettis and Ross like they're, they're both burners like track guys
1: yes and then you know speaking of track they they track the ball so well uh, you know different sense of the word but like what Browning could just like lofts it up there perfectly and they, those guys are just able to run under it so like seamlessly it's really impressive to watch I was kind of rewatching as much of that game as I could earlier today to kind of get a read on, on guys like Pettis and John Ross and Uh, John Ross, uh, he had this one touchdown in that game where he pretty much faked out four guys in a row, uh, just was basically just doing dance moves on the field and just losing people. It was pretty incredible to watch. Um, So in the end, I think USC makes this really, really uncomfortable for Washington. I'm going to go out on a limb and say if they are fully healthy in the secondary, uh, I think that uh, Washington is officially on upset watch. I think USC might ruin that perfect season.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll still take Washington to win, but uh, USC to cover
1: at the very least. Right on. Um, this game, I just wanted to kind of go on a Michigan rant. This isn't really that big of a game. I think Michigan should be able to paste Iowa. Iowa just got pasted uh, by Penn State pretty good. I think they got, yeah. like, they got doubled up in terms of total yardage or something like that. Um, but Michigan, uh, last year in November, they started to click as far as their passing game was concerned. It took Rudolph a little bit. He took literally about the same amount of time to get started. Uh, Wilton Spite, obviously, he was against Maryland last week, but you know he had his best game. At, at quarterback, and it looks like Ju Chesson, who kind, of, who his numbers were, were, are like eerily similar. If you look at his September October splits from last year and compare them to this year, about the same. Just really underwhelming, uh, like twenty five catches through two months, uh, and then in, last November he had twenty five catches and like eight touchdowns and like over four hundred yards. Uh, and he started. He kind of started off again on that pace uh, last Saturday, first hundred yard game of the season. So if I'm just saying. There's some odd parallels to last season's just really uh, epic finish from Michigan's offense, uh, where you you see a more explosive element than you're used to seeing uh, from that team that's just been pounding people uh, into the ground with their run game. So I mean, if they if they have that sort of balance, plus you know uh, Jabril Peppers, who's a year year older now, a year better, Jordan Lewis, same di- same deal. Uh, I mean, Michigan should be. I mean, obviously they get the respect in the polls They're number three, but, I mean, they, they're a legitimate national title contender, especially if, if like, Spite uh, in, that, in the rest of the passing game is really clicking uh, to that extent. I think Chesson's a guy I would totally pick up, uh, and I think he's going to explode this month uh, in season-long formats.
2: Yeah, I th- I think Amara uh, Darbo it remains, like, their clear number one, but if, if, yeah, the volume just increases, there should be room for Chesson to finish strong, like he said. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, just... Eddie McNeam. Yeah,
1: yeah, just because his name is is pretty much the coolest. Just because, self evident. <laughs> and yeah, I mean they they have uh, like like twelve guys that can run the ball for touchdowns on you. It's really just kind of like a you know whatever mood Harbaugh is in, he will use yeah. he will use a running back that that suits the mood and. You know, proceed to just bludgeon you with them. I wish Akram Wadley played for Michigan. I know that. I yeah, know he would like actually get used and be a Heisman be, winner. He'd be great, um, yeah. but yeah, Wildly only a few touches last week. He still was able to lead the team in rushing despite not getting all uh, the most of the carries. But Iowa barely ran the ball. Early, Iowa barely ran any plays last week. Basically, they just got completely smothered by Penn State. Uh, so I completely envision that happening again, even if it's like kind of their – Their last stand this season for it to have any sort of you know respectable wins in my opinion uh yeah so I think Michigan is going to be able to pace them pretty good uh definitely cover that 21 and a half point spread even though it's on the road um you want to get into a little bit of season long discussion here
2: sure yeah so uh we, we as we mentioned in previous podcasts we got John's article the start sit and we also got Nick Gray's article uh, the waiver wire uh, pickups uh, you guys both singled out on Freeman of of uh, SMU who goes against a, a pitiful East Carolina run defense mm-hmm. that should be uh, one of the highest tempo games of the year uh, East Carolina is doing like 83 84 plays a game and SMU I'm sure is pushing 82 although I'm not I'm not gonna look that up um, <laughs> but yeah I also like your pick of Daniel Jones uh, the Duke quarterback that should be that should be a game with decent tempo and yes the North Carolina defense is particularly against the run, not good, and Jones gets a lot of rushing volume. So that's that's a under the radar pick that could definitely pay off. Um, some of Nick's other guys, um, I liked a lot of his picks. Yeah, like, like yeah. I, I
1: had to make sure I wasn't copying too many of them because uh, a guy like uh, Gus Raglan from Miami of Ohio, uh, he, you know, he threw like. Four touchdowns on, like, 13 completions last week and, and a pretty nice win over Central Michigan, I thought. So that was impressive from him. Uh, he tore his ACL in, like, the, the spring, and he's already back, and he, he's kind of he, – he's pretty fearless. Uh, he's, a, he's a little bit of, like, the Max Sam Darnold. He's able to mm-hmm. run around a little bit. Yeah, he had um, big
2: rushing numbers last year. I saw he didn't do it last week, but if his knee is okay, he can also run. Exactly. The, the only thing is he, he might not have a great ceiling because they, they're kind of, like – they're kind of like the Washington offense where they're pretty down-tempo. I think they only do, like, 63 plays a game or something like that. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they've
1: they've got it figured out such that they, they still score with a really high frequency. And they're playing Buffalo, I think. Right, uh, yeah. So even though that's on the road, it looks like Miami's just kind of trending in the right direction. I think they've won every game si- since uh, – since Gus took over, so I think that uh, they're definitely trending in the right direction right now, and I could see him having like a pretty nice game. Yeah, they've won four in a row, uh, and a lot of them in, in relatively impressive fashion, uh, highlighted by the 20-point win over Central Michigan last week, even if Central Michigan isn't as good as we've seen in years past.
2: Right, um, but yeah, some some of Nick's other picks I definitely agree with. I actually picked up uh, David Njoku from Miami, in in that Joes versus Pros League to be my bye week sub for Gerald Everett mm-hmm. of uh, South Alabama, who's off this week. Uh, DeLeon, DeLeon, I don't know Ward of Texas Tech. I mean, if he's getting that many touches in a Texas Tech offense, it doesn't matter. That has got a, a low rushing average the last two weeks. It's like that's that's just that's that's an explosive offense to get that many touches in. Uh, and Oklahoma State's run defense is pretty bad. He mentioned Jalen McCleskey, the Oklahoma State receiver. He's not James Washington, but he he gets probably just as many targets because he he does more uh, short route and okay. intermediate route work. Um, I also like Nick's pick of Clayton Thorson. If you need quarterback help, uh, Thorson looked really bad last year. This year, he's he's turned yeah. a corner. Um, he's he's at least adequate. He can run a little bit, and Purdue uh, tends to go max tempo, throwing the ball like 50 times a game. Yeah, they do. Uh, their defense is That's pitiful. Awesome. So, yeah, Thorson, Austin Carr, uh, Justin Jackson all have big games, I think, in that
1: one. Um, Another guy that, that I was really considering for, for my start of the week from the Mountain West, Um, but he was in Nick's article, uh, Michael Gallup, uh, wide receiver from Colorado State. It's just a, like another one of those just sort of – Market share monster things where he's got forty five grabs. No one else on the team has even twenty. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that's something where you know he probably should have been picked up a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But if he's still floating around out there, or if he if you've had him on your bench, uh, fix that. Get him into your lineup because he's he's pretty much producing most of that pa- uh, receiving offense.
2: Yeah, he was a pretty uh, – he was a fairly prized uh, junior college transfer. And, yeah, the, the passing game there started out miserably this year. But yeah, it did. But he's been a beast for, I think, like six weeks straight now, something like that. I'm trying to breeze through the uh, rankings here to see if there's any under-the-radar types that people could use. Like, like we mentioned before, Arizona State, Utah. Like Tim Patrick, the Utah receiver, going mm-hmm. against that Arizona State pass defense. Uh, let's see – uh, and yeah the West Virginia uh, uh, Dakeel shorts particular seems un- or, uh, overlooked a lot of the time I uh, really like his matchup going against Texas both of those teams r- go at a really high tempo so I think I think he's gonna get work in that one and uh let's see kind of all that like strikes me at receiver okay uh we already mentioned uh Clayton Thorson at quarterback I uh, really like Tommy Woodson today against Bowling Green like I, I, I'm I'm lucky I didn't start him against Buffalo a couple weeks ago, but I am starting him this week in uh, that, that season-long for uh, Joe's versus Pro's League. Uh, Troy Williams may be against Utah. if he's, they I don't, I don't think they'll need him to throw the ball more than like 30 times, but uh, Arizona State's pass defense is a mess. Yeah. So he, he should be able to get going. Uh, like you mentioned, Daniel Jones is another quarterback to consider. Uh, that's kind of all that really stands out to me there, and then I'm trying to look at running back quick here. See if there's anybody who
1: is. I'm saying um, to bench Nick Chubb this week.
2: Yeah, I yeah. He's he's got a really rough spot in general. Like no matter who they play, it's like if if Nichols can slow you down. Uh,
1: probably don't want to go against Auburn's defense so much. Nope. Um yeah. I mean I think it's the offensive line's fault in the in the yeah. carry rotation more so than it is Nick Chubb himself. Oh, I yeah, mean I have, he doesn't look faith. doesn't look quite the same uh as he did pre-injury, but he still looks
2: good for the yeah. most part. It's just a And it makes sense that he would, you know, kind of get winded after a, he's taken a huge workload for a guy uh, who's coming back from a multiple ligament tear in his knee right. on and on, you know a quick turnaround to... So it makes sense that he's slowing down. It makes some. It makes some sense to get Michelle going a bit more to yeah, he's close looked, out the and year. He,
1: in, in fairness, Michelle has looked pretty
2: good. Yeah, uh, with it with the increased workload as always. Yeah, but otherwise, like uh, J- uh, John Kelly at Tennessee, looking really good. Uh, like him this week,
1: especially if Kamara remains out. He pra- oh right, he, he's yeah, practiced sorry. a few times this week, but no. Kamara you're right. needs to be out. Yeah,
2: uh, but yeah. Otherwise, I uh, like th- that Oklahoma State Texas Tech game again. Justice Hill. I, even if he only gets, like, 15 carries, I love him this week. Uh, Ralph Webb, I thought you
1: mentioned in your article, yes. he's going against that terrible, terrible Got Missouri rush defense. It's, just, it's so gutted by injuries yeah. right now. It's, I mean, like, uh, Terry Beckner's out for the year again, uh, so that that's two years in a row that, you know, he's a five-star guy. Uh, season ends with with a knee injury I think both times were ACLs so that's really disappointing for him and and uh, I don't remember the name of their starting middle linebacker that he was like kind of like the heart and soul of the defense and also the leading tackler so with those two guys out like pick on Missouri every single week if you can if you can pick up a running back against them
2: yeah and Webb's a good one too so uh tight end pretty much just like Njoku and then it's it's a Everybody else is already n- well known. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe under the radar, a guy like Mason Shrek at Buffalo. Uh, he should. He's he's been good. He's. He Did might you be the... see his
1: touchdown from last week? Oh uh, no, I haven't. It. W- I mean, it was just like protot- Like just imagine in your mind, just like a big galoot Mac tight end just running through small cornerbacks. <laughs> like it, it was. It was like it was like Shrek running through the bog. It was incredible. Like it, <laughs> I was a big fan of that run.
2: Nice. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, That's about all I got, I guess, for season long, but uh, that seemed like a decent wrap-up spot barring any final thoughts from you
1: Uh that's pretty much all i've got as well i think we covered uh the main big matchups that, that we like this week um aaron jones is a guy that that should be started oh, yeah, every yeah. week but uh especially this week he's i really go like nuts. his ma- like it you know he's gonna be in contention to have like the highest fantasy output amongst running backs i would say there's a lot
2: of high scoring uh running backs and receivers this week i think like i got foreman down at eight anthony wales and nine wow. ray lowry ten but uh number one Fournette against that stupid Arkansas run defense.
1: Yeah, and uh, he's—I think he might be a little bit ill-tempered after last week.
2: Yeah, he's going for three hundred.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, it's just gonna be a war zone there. Um, So that's pretty much all I've got here for Mario. I'm John McKechnie. Uh, This was the Wednesday Roto Wire College Football Podcast broadcast, as always, (laughs) and uh, brought to you by our friends at Fan Clash. So thanks again, and we will be back next
0: week.